What is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card game premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Horvath, joined once again by my good, good friend and newly crowned father, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? It's going great, Riley. I'm feeling, feeling refreshed, feeling happy to be here. You're feeling refreshed. That's it's usually I feel like not the review people give one weekend. Listen, I think we have the dream baby. She was really hard to deal with in the womb, right? <laughs> my my wife was throwing up all the time. Like, it was just really uncomfortable. And then the birth was, like, kind of, you know, horrible as well. Uh, not not horrible. You know, things uh-huh. are fine. But just, like, very painful, obviously, right? Uh, sure. But then, since she's been out, all we got to do, we got to keep her warm. So we got to put on, like, two <laughs> layers of clothing. And then we just got to feed her enough. And if we can do those things, she's an absolute dream child. We get in the evening. So we'll put her down to bed around 11 or 12. And then we'll get like the first kind of stint will be three hours. And then, you know, we'll wake her up and eat or she'll wake us up and eat. <laughs> yeah. and so like we're, expe- we're expecting that, right? So like a three hour kind of glorified nap there for us. And then we'll put her back down and uh, she'll sleep for another like three and a half, four hours. Wow. And then. We'll get up and do the whole morning routine. And yeah, it's it's like pretty good. So then we'll take naps in the afternoon to kind of supplement our, our like six or seven hours of sleep at night. But uh, it's been, she's, she's been awesome. We hung out on the couch today, just chilling. The two of us, we did some skin to skin contact. Um, and so hence the genesis of that tweet that I made. And, um, and yeah, it was just great chilling with my, with my kid. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you mentioned, you know, just clothes and food. Honestly, I think that applies the whole life, right? Like, <laughs> give them that's clothes, right. food, and a place to stay, and that's all you need to do, really. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, parenting is easy. Don't <laughs> let anyone tell you any different. We can walk in the park, for sure. <laughs> so how about you? What's new with you? Uh, well, I don't have a kid, so it's been a little okay. more straightforward yet. for me. Yet. I don't have a kid. Or that yet. you know of. That I know of yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a kid that I know of yet, uh, but it's been good. It's been good. Uh, you know, I was obviously I was working on site last week, hence the kind of change in structure. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm back. I have the, the four cats, you know, longtime listeners know periodically I'll have my neighbor's cats over as well. So it's a little bit chaotic in my apartment. Yesterday they knocked. This is like such a stupid story, but yesterday they knocked over my AirPods uh, off the kitchen counter and they went like flying out of the case and one of them like tumbled under my like hvac closet door which the apartment has the key to like the landlord <laughs> but not me <laughs> so i had to put in a service request like hey i don't actually need anything <laughs> like service related <laughs> but i do need someone to open that door <laughs> for me <laughs> and get my airpod uh so i put a little sign on the hvac door like hey you know uh, like management or service guy, whoever comes, like just put it in the <laughs> utensil drawer. <laughs> like, <laughs> and sure enough, I come home and it got an AirPod into my utensil drawers. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was like, I was like, pissed. I was a little peeved last night. Not gonna lie, uh, you know, I I was uh, testing with Andrew and I had my headphones on, so I didn't hear it like fall off the counter. Yeah, uh, and I just. 
I walk into my kitchen and I see my case on the ground with no AirPods. <laughs> I'm just like, dang it. Did I really go minus $200 cat sitting? <laughs> Seriously, right? <laughs> you know, oh, that would be so sad. Imagine minusing on your cat sitting. I uh, know, um, that's, that's tough. But it's otherwise it's been super chill. I'm just trying to like prep for the trip. And, you know, I'm doing some laundry right now, uh, trying to get all my clothes situated. If there's like a random beep that goes off on my side, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been going through some chaos at work as I try to prepare for leaving for a week. Yes, because you, of course, are traveling to Germany. Yes. For the European International Championships. That's really exciting. I'm like so stoked for you guys because I can't wait to see you know, who of the friend group wins the tournament. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be in, in hot contention. I know you guys have been prepping hard for it. We certainly have. Yeah. And we're just generally like, I think across the board, everyone who's going is really excited just to, to do something really fun and interesting. It was very much like a spur of the moment decision to do it uh, in the, the latter half of Salt Lake City. And uh, now that we're here, it's, it's really real and it's exciting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really fun. As of as recording this, I'm flying out in just a little over two days. So, wow, wow, I yeah, because it'll take what twenty, like five hours or something. I don't think it's that much to get there, but you don't think so? Okay, uh, how how many hours? Uh, Certainly, I mean, more than like half a day, right? I think it's like sixteen, maybe. Okay, seventeen. Let me open up my Fly Delta app. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you, I mean, you've taken kind of international flights before, but maybe not one this long. You went down to Brazil a few years ago. Yeah. Is there anything that you make sure you take on these long flights? Um, not necessarily. Like, honestly, I think planes are kind of chill. Uh, <laughs> like, as long as you have, like, charging cables and, like, maybe a book, then it's usually fine. On, like, really long flights, they usually give you, uh, like, a blanket and a pillow and stuff. Of your, mm-hmm. But if you're like picky about that stuff, you can bring that on your carry on. Sure. Um, otherwise, like just standard flight fare. I mean, I I just like pass out on planes without any prompting. Me too, bro. <laughs> I'm a plane sleeper. I yeah. I'd be on the plane for 30 minutes. I'm asleep on that guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? I'm with you. So, uh, I feel like I don't have to adjust a lot, but definitely like have a power source for your phone. You know, for when you inevitably like are either on like the free movies they offer and also bring a headphone of some sort um, yep if you some planes like will only have like the like the touch the back of the seat screens so you might mm-hmm. even want headphones that plug in if you uh typically are like a wireless headphone user right but uh you can also ask for them to and get and pay like a couple bucks for a really 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 bad pair of headphones <laughs> right yeah i was gonna say the ones that they provide or that they that they uh you know allow you Horrible. to buy yeah. i guess yeah just truly truly magnificently terrible. bad but uh yeah i mean i i don't really have many issues on planes when i flew to brazil i played like my ds the whole time i shiny hunted <laughs> uh in pokemon sudden moon got a shiny yeah. Pichu. that was fun <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's awesome. So. But enough enough about the travel. I mean, I think we want to talk a little bit more about the preparation the for the tournament. Yeah. Things. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, uh, you've been preparing with the uh, the testing group, as it were, the kind of, um, I don't know, Ohio, the Ohio adjacent 
players or one time Ohio play. I don't know. It's like, you know, you, me, Kevin, Zeely, Andrew, Natalie, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, so uh, right. you've been, you've been certainly uh, with the squad, with the homies really grinding out games and trying to figure out, um, you know, some, some optimal deck lists, kind of what your comfort zone is in terms of the picks that you're going to, to play. And then also kind of anticipating what you think other people might play or other people might try. So yeah, give us kind of a broad overview of how, the testing sessions have been going so we've been testing a lot for this tournament uh, if you listened to last week's episode you heard andrew come on and kind of talk about the importance and value of you know putting in the time and practicing for events and we've seen that like practically pay off in our friend group as well um you know the, the probably the three tournaments i tested for the most were collinsville uh dallas and the 20 what is it, 2019 World Championship, and those are where I've had my three most impressive, in my opinion, performances. Um, you know, with the the top 32 at Worlds, lost my winning in, <laughs> the winning the Dallas and top four at Collinsville. So like, clearly, like, there's a lot of value, uh, even in formats where people think it's a little more closed off, to just like getting a lot of reps in and practicing. Um, so we've been doing a lot of that. We've uh, we kind of mused amongst ourselves that really in the early days of, you know, even just since I moved to Madison, we didn't really take good advantage of the online platform as a testing tool. Uh, we didn't use Discord especially well, things like that. Just like really basic stuff that like in hindsight, it's like very silly that we uh, didn't really do that enough. And obviously we, our group was not super engaged and involved in the uh, the online tournament scene, so to speak, but mm-hmm. you know, Hindsight's 2020. So here we are. We meet pretty much every day, if not, you know, I would say like five to six days a week, rather, on Discord, and we throw games. Primarily, it's me and Andrew, but we get the the cavalcade, the peanut gallery. We'll stream in and out, and other people will play games as well. Yeah. Um, and we've been kind of throwing a lot of things at the wall. So the way we've been going about things, and this is how I usually like to start as well, is we'll start with the baseline we will find really consistent optimal in our opinion lists for the top like two or three decks and we'll talk more in the latter half about kind of like power rankings for decks and things like that but you know for us we've been focusing on arceus and intellion as kind of or sorry arceus and mu uh as our top decks to kind of hone in as a starting point mm-hmm. uh, and once we got to a confident place with those that's when we started to to feel out a little bit more and experiment because once we had a really solid framework for those decks, it gave us something that we could throw other decks against and see if, if they match up to what our opinion would be the best decks otherwise. So we threw a lot of games of like Arceus mirrors, Mew mirrors, uh, Arceus versus Mew as kind of like our initial baseline. Right. Uh, And then it becomes like, what can, enter that space and compete against both of them to a reasonable level so that went in a couple different directions the most forefront of our mind was gengar we played a lot of gengar leading up to salt lake city and kind of dropped it towards the last minute just wasn't feeling like it was consistent enough and so we've been trying a lot of gengar and we've been trying to experiment with gengar as well you know i we referenced before on the cast as well that we didn't feel like we had truly, you know, branched out enough, you know, tried enough crazy things with these decks to really take them to the next level. 
And so we're actively trying to do that. So with Gengar, we've tried a lot of different things. We've tried extra single prize attackers to make the Malamar matchup better. We've tried the Jolteon with the memory capsule to kind of spice up the the Inteleon-based yeah. matchups. And ultimately, like, none of those were super fruitful. But we gave them all a pretty fair shake, right? Like, we let them we let them sit for a fair amount of games, you know, minimum of five <laughs> yeah. before we before we kind of shelved that idea and even five is on the low end for some of these things um and that was just like an obvious like yeah gengar is like good against mew or it should be good at least against mew right and it has an okay situation versus arceus if it sets up so like how can we make gengar more versatile for the format it was kind of the thought process there mm-hmm. and we've been kind of applying that same thought process to things that are generally good against like either Arceus or Mew or what have you. Uh, so like Urshifu is like another good example of here's something that has a good matchup into this situation, you know, like Arceus and Malamar. How can we make this a more broad reaching um, effective deck in like the targeted couple of decks that we're trying to focus on? So we'd play a lot of Urshifu as well. I actually still really like Urshifu, but the Mew matchup was proving to be very difficult. Um, yeah. So we kind of like shelved that idea. And then we started to kind of branch out with our Arceus ideas. You know, what what kind of things can we give like a little edge to our deck in? You know, how can we make the Mew matchup like that much better? How can we make the Arceus mirror that much more bearable? Uh, and that's when, that's when you start getting into weird stuff. You know, <laughs> you get into like Definitely. playing Rose to try and power up your Crobat VMAX in one turn without uh, <laughs> charging to it. You play, you know, thicker V-barrel lines. You play yeah. weird disruption cards. Uh, Avery is a card that we're trying to experiment a lot with right now because we think it's really disruptive uh, in the format at the moment. Sure, yeah. I mean, you have a lot of wide-scaling benches. I mean, Malmar and Mew kind of come to mind immediately, but uh, the raw draw of three is not... Not terrible for most decks, right? Like if you're playing it in an Arceus deck, like you're probably just kind of playing off the board for the most part after you Starbirth. So um seems like an interesting option for a lot of decks right now. Yeah. And so broadly speaking, like taking a step back, uh, kind of from the rambling that I've just laid down is we've been testing almost every day and we try and give an idea a fairly decent shake. So once we have a concept we'll give it like a full day's worth of reps. Uh, and some, and if it's performing well, we'll take it to the next day until we break it or, or we buy it type situation. Um, most ideas, I feel like we've given it at least a day and a half of like solid reps before we dropped it. Um, and that's been really good. You know, it's been mm-hmm. a lot of like stepping back even and just figuring out like what are the cars that like we know what the best core cards are we know like arceus and mew and like italian engine stuff like that we know those are like the best core frameworks for decks but what are the other good potential cards you know and that's when mm-hmm. you get into the territory of like i'm just going to filter on pokemon v and i'm going to look at every pokemon right. v for every type and we literally sat down one day and just taught and this is towards the start of our testing we sat down looked at every pokemon v for every single type looked at the support cards for each of those types and just saw if there's anything that's like a gap in our knowledge. Yes. Um, next thing we did was look at some of those weird tech cards. You know, the Jolteon was a, was an obvious contender there. Things like Avery, 
how can we squeeze those into decks that we know are already good um and then the final phase of that is just like really just now that we've taken some of these crazy ideas now that we've taken some of these initial concepts refine those concepts down Mm -hmm. so now Mm -hmm. we're at that stage you know we're a week out from the tournament where we're a little bit less apt to necessarily experiment we're still doing it but right now we're trying to like get those final like here's the 60 right here's what we have determined with this the knowledge that we've gained from the last couple of sessions the exact 60 cards that we think fits the concept that we think is the best so it's been how, that kind of ramp up you know? yeah how how close would you say you are to locking in a choice i would say I would say right now there's still some some contention between the decks that we like the most. You know, in the spirit of transparency, like I, you know, and there's some like disagreement almost philosophically about what decks we think are really good. I really like mm-hmm. Arceus decks, you know, and those have tra- traditionally been like the kinds of decks that I've liked as well. And so try not to fall too hard in that trap. Um, some of our other friends are really big into Mew, um, and what's been hard with that as well is I actually really like Mew, but you can have like really long strings of, Oh, I just like lost a whole day of testing to path of the peak. And it just felt horrible. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and I, we crammed in four stadiums and like path of the peak still hit us every single time for a whole day. And like that can happen. Um, and that's why we try really hard to like br- to carry stuff over to like the, be fresh and like the next day as well. And like continue to try those same ideas because that can happen right like you can just have a bad beat for a day and like it gets really in your head yeah Um, and i think part of the key there is not letting it get in your head so to actually answer your question um we haven't like fully decided yet i think we have some from frameworks for the top decks in our group that we are really close to kind of like this is the 60 but -hmm. there's like two decks two to three decks that we would still like flop between those 60s (laughs) Well, it's also kind of interesting too, is because um, you're not just testing, you know, one deck in isolation, trying to find that perfect 60. Like you might have, you know, two, like you said, two or three decks where you feel very confident that that is the kind of perfect list or that is the tournament worthy list. And you're all making these decisions together. That's, that's always something uh, interesting, you know, for, for listeners to hear is that, you know, sure, you might have your one deck that you really want to just hone in on. But at the same time, if you're going to get really good high level testing, um, you're going to want to kind of be experimenting with all these different decks and bringing them all up to a tournament level. Yeah. And we've, uh, you know, to that end, we've, uh, you know, been taking a lot of those concepts and trying to refine them down. And, um, you know, we do screen sharing now and just show every play and talk through every single play that we're making, making sure it's like the right one as well. Because what we don't, the worst thing that you can do as like a Pokemon player is to, Pokemon is such a, uh, it's like such an out of the game type of, like your success, so a lot of it is based on the things that happened before you even sit down for the tournament, right? A lot yes. of it's the deck building, the decisions that you make leading up to the tournament. Um, and so we really want to make sure that those choices are super informed leading into the tournament is uh, yeah. is ultimately the message that i would say so what you don't want to do as a pokemon player is you don't want to like build up misimpressions of a deck and kind of write it off and focus on one other deck and then realize like the night before oh i gotta pick up this other concept and i just don't even know like 
how to route that effectively and end up like going o2 and <laughs> and feeling really sad because it just like wasn't for you didn't feel like it was for you and you didn't have the practice to make that work right and there are certainly yep. players out there who can make that work you know they can pick something up on the fly and be successful uh, but that's not for everybody and honestly i think there are decks right now that they're just they require that like experience or you know whether that is experience with that deck in particular or just like a wealth of lived game experience maybe not with that deck but in general with pokemon to kind of execute on successfully you know yeah the, absolutely the nuance of being a top eight level mew player versus being a mew player who's getting their cp for the day is is diff- is high you know the nuance of being an arceus player who's playing at 100 percent versus an arceus player who's playing at 75 percent is a wide gap in my opinion yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a really good point that you make because, um, a lot of what I tell, you know, people in my streams or people that I coach is that, um, you know, there's, there's so much that you can't control. You can't control your matchups. Um, you can't control your hands, you know, for, you know, to an extent, right. Obviously the deck building comes into play. You can control <laughs> how you build your deck, but you know, to an extent you can't control your hands. Um, but you can control, how you play in the game and you can control the deck that you decide to bring. Right. So like making sure that those are as finely tuned as possible is really good. I think your tip about screen sharing is extremely valuable for players, right? Like you don't want to just be isolated to how you're playing a deck. You want to get a couple of eyes on it if you can, or at the very least your testing partner get some eyes on that while you're playing just to make sure that they have like kind of a double check. You know, it's like, you know, hey man, can you read over this essay before I submit it to the teacher? Right, like that's always good to get that <laughs> yeah. second pair of eyes on what you're doing, just to make sure you're not missing some obvious play or missing some obvious line that would help you uh, better navigate that matchup. So, you know, overall, if I had to sum up kind of the process we've been going through, is I would I would put it like a couple different pillars. Like the first pillar being the gameplay, uh, we're really we're harsh on each other too in the the screen share and like we're apt to we're quick to call out when we think something was not the thing to do um you know we'll admit when like a path was better we'll take note of when we weren't sure and then it became more obvious like down the road mm-hmm. um what was going on there so that's like the in-game element of it from like the deck building perspective i would say the philosophy we take is we start with broad ideas, find the ones that stick and hone those to a fine point. So like very much the, a narrowing over time until we feel like we've gotten to like, this is the 60 or here are the three different sixties that we would take to this tournament based on how we feel like the night before about the metagame. And then, you know, the, the other important piece of it is just, uh, you know, not letting, like keeping keeping your perspectives open so to speak mm-hmm. um you know not letting one day of testing change your whole outlook of the format without like substantiating definitely. that further I can yeah tell definitely you, we that's, a, that's down a good weird point. paths if we <laughs> if we just uh like all right we found the deck it's worked really well today <laughs> let's let's ship it let's ship it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um or vice versa like oh yeah this deck was just like really bad today like that's it we're never playing it again. 
Yeah, both of those things would have led to bad outcomes. So yeah, absolutely. So obviously you haven't chosen a deck, um, you know, at this point in time, and and that's to be expected, right? You're gonna you have a couple more days here uh, in in the states, and then you're gonna travel, and you get your whole week to kind of test around and uh, just make that final choice. But I have a question about what you know for sure you're not going to take so like is there anything that you've deduced over the course of testing that you're very confident you're going to be hands off of and that could be techs or that could be decks um just anything that you're like definitely not going to play in uh in europe i hate to use definites you know i hate to use definites like maybe we find some insanely broken idea in like the last couple of days that's unlikely <laughs> though um i would say one concept i'm very cold on right now is uh jolteon for sure <laughs> i know it's a deck a lot of people like i kind of struggle to, to see the value in it so to speak like it's a low maintenance deck but it doesn't really do, do what it needs to against Mew, in my opinion uh so that's one concept i've kind of struggled with i'm also kind of struggling to like really motivate myself to want to Hit bring Malamar to the tournament. I know Malamar is one of the top decks in the metagame, but um, I've said this before. It's like a lot of your agency is taken away from you when you play Malamar. Once mm -hmm. you hit that like baseline, I know what I'm doing with the deck skill level. <laughs> um, yes. You know, you don't have a lot of control over the way that your games play out, and both Mew and Arceus can really capitalize on that if you show like a moment of weakness to them, so to speak. <laughs> right right um so like those are decks i'm kind of cold on right now uh, honestly i'm pretty cold on gengar too but you know gengar is like such a run hot deck but you know it can like find itself in like these weirdly good meta positions like salt lake city for example <laughs> where mm -hmm. it's just like oh yeah gengar was perfect for the field that day and it ran hot so um be that with or without arceus is like another concept i'm a little cold on I would say, like, neither Mew nor Arceus are concepts that I would dare to write off, <laughs> personally. Right, right. They're just both right. so good. Well, that's what it's sounding like. You know, you've kind of eliminated a number of the other top decks, and we'll get into that in the second half of the cast. But kind of seems like, you know, at this point, you're really just deciding kind of optimal 60 for either Mew or Arceus. That's definitely the direction we're kind of headed. Um you know, we have like crazy ideas that we still want to try out. Um, you know, trying to make that dang Jolteon work, <laughs> for, <laughs> for example. But you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, uh, it'll probably just be a Gengar Arceus deck. And I think that's what I think realistically that's what a lot of the top players will likely choose um, because it gives them a lot of control. And it's clearly those are two, the two best decks overall. Yeah, yeah, solid. All right, well. We got, uh, you know, one cast uh, without you next week, sadly, as you'll be in Germany. But I can't wait to live vicariously through you because oh, I've never sure. been. I've never been. Well, I take it back. I've never been to. I was going to say I've never been to a uh, tournament outside of North America, but that's actually not true. Um, but I've never been to an international championship. Yes. Yes. They're so. very fun. So I'm excited to go. I'm excited to spend time with my friends in a foreign country, in a foreign land, uh, enjoying Das Boot and any other wonderful European experiences. Uh, it'll be great. I'm excited. Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter for updates. <laughs> Sounds good.
So cheer me on, tag teamers. That's right. That is right. So before we jump into any meta stuff though, W, I think it's uh I think it's high time for a card of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, this week it's been a big week for me with the with the baby. So I figured that I would do a little baby Pokemon. I was trying to think about some of the baby Pokemon that I've played in the past. And I couldn't think of any in modern times, but I have a few baby Pokemon that I really, really, uh, you know, love and enjoy from back in the heart gold soul silver era when baby Pokemon were like arguably some of the most impactful cards in the game. Yeah. You know, you had your tie rogue and that could do 30 damage, which was enough to knock out all other babies. Uh, you had things like Elekid that saw a little bit of play doing some snipe damage. You had things like Mime Jr. that could put cards to the loss zone. But you had my favorite baby and probably the most widely played baby, Cleffa from Heart Gold Soul Silver. Now, I wouldn't just give you kind of the run of the mill Cleffa. Um, <laughs> But there was a Cleffa promo that was released that had the same exact artwork as the pack Cleffa, but it had this um, kind of, you know, original holofoil pattern on it. And I thought that that Cleffa was awesome. Just a really cool card, especially because <laughs> it was holographic. And that is today's card of the day. The Cleffa HeartGold Silver promo number 12. And what is the attack name on that Cleffa? <laughs> very nice i heard that you know personal opinion at least um is that the more energy you put into announcing cleffa's eek the more likely it is you'll draw good cards absolutely um yeah and what's funny is that <laughs> the number of e's in the eek yeah is is directly correlated Two, whether or not you know you're, you're exactly like you said whether or not you're going to draw well so i always make sure <laughs> to like screech it especially if i'm playing in a for fun game yes. if i when i was playing you know for real cleffa uh you know back in the in the, what 2011 or whatever you know I, i'd keep it understated obviously still trying to have a little bit of fun with it but yeah. you know you're not going to go screeching uh, at a pokemon tournament but when you're playing with well i know right uh but when you're playing with friends i mean it's it's all it's all you know kind of guttural guttural (laughs) eeks left and right truly from deep inside of you yeah absolutely absolutely (laughs) sweet sleeping face is that pokebody i mean these are this is a pokebody that was on all of the baby pokemon at the time and it's uh it's it's a really fun one um or a really heartbreaking one uh, depending on who you are but it says as long as you know this baby pokemon so cleffa tyrogue you know, Mime Jr., all those, all these baby Pokemon, as long as they're asleep, prevent all damage done to them by attacks. So, like, you attack, the attack puts you to sleep, and then you have to flip, and then, depending on the outcome of that flip, your Pokebody is either just absolutely OP or really destroys you, so. And then you have to, like, wake up coming back to you, ideally... <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing for sure. If you want to see a little bit more about that um, or read a little bit more about that, you can read about uh, the Nationals finals in 2011, the U.S. Nats finals, which was 
a big, you know, Cleffa, Tyrogue, Sleep, Flip, <laughs> War. Pretty crazy. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. does, uh, does Harper have a, a sweet sleeping face? She absolutely does. She also has a lot of, like, little hairs all over her body. <laughs> and, and speaking of little hairs all over her body, the Tag Team Podcast is brought to you by... <laughs> Manscaped. Yes, that's right. Tag Team is presented by Manscaped. Please don't Manscaped. Use Manscaped on your babies. <laughs> no, yeah, I should say that. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't need to say that, but in any case, Manscaped is the premier men's below the waist grooming company, and they bring out a lot of products for us men and I, ladies as well, but uh, for us men to keep our areas nice and groomed riley on your plane ride you're spending a week in europe which of the products are you planning on bringing i actually am planning on bringing my lawnmower my lawnmower 4.0 uh so i can keep clean and fresh if you're watching the video version of this cast you can see it actually freshly shaven uh heading into today so i want to keep keep like a clean like stubbly look and the uh the electric razor from Manscaped is actually really effective at doing that. So I'll be bringing my razor, uh, and I'll actually be bringing not the full bottle, but I've bottled up the body wash mm. and put it in like a miniature like travel bottle, so I can bring that with me as well. And uh, of course, you know, if you're a listener to the cast, you know that Riley Holbert will not be caught dead without <laughs> his Manscaped underpants. <laughs> So those are the very, literally, they are the first thing I am packing as I prepare my bag. I'm not joking. <laughs> that's, that's so epic. <laughs> I will stand these forever. They are by far my most favorite pair of underpants, and I will be wearing them day one of the tournament. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And I wish you all the best. I know you're going to be, you know, probably the most comfortable player I in the room. I very well may be, and one of the best smelling, too, thanks to my Manscaped body wash. <laughs> It's crazy. So Riley, if people want to get in on, you know, the Manscaped craze, if they want to uh, find their own products, buy their own products, uh, we have a promo code. Why don't you tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking to get in on the awesome ground floor of Manscaped and be part of the tag team Manscaped nation, (laughs) you can do that with code tag team at checkout. So all you got to do, head over to manscaped.com. You got to put some items in your cart, any number that you so please. And then when you get to checkout, you use code tag team. That's T-A-G-T-E-A-M. And using that code, you'll get not only 20% off, but you will get free shipping as well. They don't just give this out to anybody, folks. This is an awesome deal. And these are awesome products. So you definitely want to leverage that code. And that shows not only that you're supporting the cast, but it shows a, an attentiveness and care to your below the waist grooming. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for um, supporting the cast. Yeah. That's code tag team over at manscaped.com 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to manscaped for sponsoring the cast. And with that, JW, the long awaited people have been asking for years for what we think of the brilliant stars meta as we ramp up for EUIC. JW, what are the top decks for this tournament? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's really two that are far and away, in my opinion, the 
best choices for Europe or, or really any tournament that you have coming up. Uh, and that would be Arceus and Mew. Uh, I think almost interchangeably at this point, but um, you know, for me, if I'm going to this tournament, I'm playing Mew hands down. I've been playing a lot of it on the ladder. It just feels so good to me. Um, and I've been, you know, figuring out a lot of these matchups that I thought were kind of bad before. Um, so for instance, Malamar, I've been playing a lot recently. I just put up a video actually on the channel, a little bit more of an in-depth look at the Malamar Mew matchup. Uh, I've been learning how to play against Jolteon a little bit better. Uh, I've been learning how to play against the Arceus decks. Um, so I feel very confident with Mew certainly. And, uh, I think it is one, uh, you know, the best deck or, or at least tied for being the best deck right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think of the top top tier decks in the metagame, you and Arceus stand a leg above the rest, you know, not only having far and away the most day two and regional placements, but um, just overall, like when you get the, your hands on those decks, it feels like you're playing a different game versus everything else that you try out in the format. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that same exact way, but you know, with Mew, I feel like uh, you got unlimited power at your disposal. And with Arceus, it, you can kind of craft your own game plan every single game. Um, so super powerful decks. Mew and Arceus stand above the rest. There has been some debate recently, you know, heading into the regionals. It felt like Mew is by far the best deck, the one that people had their radars on. Uh, more recently, people, though, have been thinking, you know, is Arceus the best deck? You know, it's one now different regionals whereas muse only got one win you know what mm -hmm. gives <laughs> do you feel that shift at all do you agree with that sentiment it sounds like not necessarily well i do feel like you know I, i've said this on past cast just that i think a lot of the better players gravitate towards arceus just being that it has kind of a, a less linear strategy than mew right? Um, there's usually a few different tech cards you can play in Arceus and you can fetch them out either through Inteleon or through your Starbirth. Um, and so there are different ways to kind of build your deck that make it so that every game is kind of a choose your own adventure, right? Yeah. Um, whereas me is just very much, you know, you're, you're, you can do some tricks, but you know, you're just kind of swinging, uh, you know, as fast and as hard as you can. So I, I feel like a lot of the better players are gravitating towards um, Arceus. At this point, I, I personally still think Mew is is the best deck. I was playing some tabletop with Andrew a few weeks ago, and Mew is just rolling Arceus, um, just like barely close. Like Arceus was having a hard time getting Pokemon down. Um, our Mew deck was playing some catchers, which allowed you to go for that benched Arceus with the energy. Um, and I think if you can do that with the Mew, turn two, knock that out, you're in a really, really strong spot. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe a lot of Mew lists aren't playing Pokemon catcher, but... We were just having a field day in that matchup for sure. Um, I do feel like Arceus has strong answers to Mew. Obviously, Path Marnie is going to be really good most of the time against the Mew deck, but not all the time. And uh, it's just really whether or not you can get off the ground with the Arceus deck in that matchup. That's how it does feel, right? Like if you can get the Arceus going, it can typically get all the way there versus Mew. But if they're able to get like that turn, like turn two knockout on your Arceus and you know, maybe a turn three knockout on a different Arceus, <laughs> then it's just like, what do I even do <laughs> at that point? Yeah, exactly. There's certainly a, a tipping point where it's just, if you don't uh, stave off the Mew deck, then there's no real comeback for you. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, an important factor when people talk about what is the best deck, 
you know, it's hard to like truly define that in this meta game because Mew is by far the most hated deck in any room. Mm. Every deck is playing something to handle Mew, right? Like, and they have to. They have to command something that can immediately deal with the Mew deck or is like an answer to it, whether that be a thick count of path or dark attackers. And I can't mm. think of really any deck besides one prize decks that don't do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, they so, don't have some kind of some kind of answer, some kind of um, you know, check. And like I feel like Arceus decks don't command that same response in the metagame necessarily. Like, yeah, Arceus decks are super good, but and and you have Dunsparce as well to cover the weakness, but you don't see that exact same scenario where people are like building their decks specifically with, you know, multiple cards mm-hmm. to handle Arceus. They'll just play their strategy and their strategies like can handle Arceus, so to speak. Yeah, and Mew does not have that same uh, same respect, so to speak. Like people are actively trying to beat Mew with all of their decks. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are we still thinking um, kind of on on Arceus a little bit here? Are we still thinking just Arceus and Talion, kind of the milk toast uh, straightforward lists are best? Or you know, uh, hate to bring up this topic again, but just like what are the kind of tech attackers that you're thinking about in Arceus? I know we've talked about Crobat Vmax in the past. Um, are you still kind of in that dark package void when we're talking about Arceus decks that you are considering for? Uh, Europe, or are you thinking of just playing that straightforward Arceus? Or are you thinking about, you know, maybe playing it with a fighting package? Like, where are you at with with the uh, Arceus decks? I, I think uh, the way I typically like it is I do like the Crobat VMAX a lot, and I like it because I like playing the Crobat. <laughs> and if you're going to play the Crobat, you just should play the Crobat VMAX, in my opinion. Um, otherwise, you might as well play, like, more Water and Teleon based deck mm-hmm. um so i do like playing that i don't necessarily still love clara moltres i think it's really good but it's a lot of space um you know it's two slots at worst uh or at best rather and potentially like four at worst if you're like really leaning into that strategy and that's like a lot of space in an arceus deck you know even just one slot is a huge deal in an arceus deck i feel like um and I honestly, I feel like uh, against Arceus, you can kind of carve out a game plan where Moltres doesn't matter a ton. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'd rather just try and build a more consistent version where like, I either get Crobat out or I path them better <laughs> than like right. having to lean into the Moltres. Because what they can do against Moltres is they can... Moltres only becomes a factor on three prizes left. So you can go from four right. to two... And then if the, if you haven't already taken out a knockout as Arceus, they can like Echoing Horn boss or do all sorts of crazy stuff to make sure that you don't win with the Moltres. Right. Or like just right. have a Meloetta active. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's uh I don't I don't think the Moltres is like that great of an answer in Arceus. I would rather just like have Crobat as an option and path them. Right. Mostly. Yeah. Um yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at is I like playing as straightforward as possible, but I like the Crobat for making your turn ones better. I think it just smooths out your game plan a lot if you're able to Crobat for an energy when you need to hit it or Crobat for an extra basic. Um, It makes your curve a lot easier to hit. 
in my opinion. Whereas if you <laughs> have like a Soul and Teleon version, it's really easy to like whiff an important card in the first stages of the game. Right. Right. Absolutely. Outside of those top two, what are your kind of top five, I guess? So what are the next three in the pecking order? Yeah, I think easily the third best deck is Malamar. I think it's the premier one price deck by a wide margin. It has the ability to take those Okos on everything in the format. The problem that Malamar has, in my opinion, is that both Arceus and Mew command a lot of... uh, It commands a lot out of Malamar really early. So Mew, you have to be threatening like the either an Oko or a Gust super early against Mew. Otherwise, they can do the tank a hit, psychic leap, one prize, one prize, one prize, attack. Uh, yeah. And that's like really hard for Malamar to deal with if, if routed optimally for Mew. Mm-hmm. And um, so you need to like escape rope turn two or actually hit the nine rapid strike cards to KO a Mew. And like, yeah, if you hit that, you're going to win. But it's really hard to hit that. <laughs> The so Malamar and then against Arceus, if they're playing Crobat, it's already difficult <laughs> because right. you're like trading evenly at best. But even if they're not, if they're playing like Charon's Care and you just like have one awkward turn, then right. that also really sucks. <laughs> so yeah, you know, Big Charm Arceus is definitely KOable on turn two. It's one card easier to KO than a Mew, but it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, certainly. I think one of those um, things that I've been finding more and more about the Malamar is just how dependent on the Octillery they are. Um, You know, obviously searching out that one card specifically that you want every turn is very good, but then also being able to pick up with the scoop up net. It's a plus one. It's like one of your easiest plus ones, right? I mean, obviously you have your rescue carriers, but that, you know, you need to have two in the discard, you know, to make it work. So that one's not particularly good in the early game, but then Octillery is like just so strong um, because of the ability to pick it up. So I usually, you know, just kind of side strategy here. Um, I'm always targeting down the yeah. Octillery's. Yeah, know. I think I think early game, it's, it's almost always optimal to KO the Octillery. Like if you're turn two with Arceus, I think you should optimally like boss the the uh the Remoraid. Yeah. You know, in Arceus, I think you should go first. You should boss the Remoraid turn two. And that sets you up pretty well. And the same thing with Mew is you should you probably should go second and take the knockout immediately, but then right after that you KO the Remoraid. Yeah. And then uh then you're set up pretty well with both of those decks from there. I think it's usually better in the mid to late game to just KO their attacker because then that's two more pieces they have to find and dedicate their resources to, but it, it kind of is game state dependent as well. Um, Certainly. You know, and the thing is like when, even if they can take some of those stretch knockouts, like let's say, you know, Malmar dumps their whole hand and like KOs and Arceus turn two. Well, then you're in a situation where like, Oh, I can just boss your one Sobble now. <laughs> and now you can't draw cards for like the next three turns. <laughs> so yes, good luck with that. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just you're thrust into a lot of awkward scenarios. If you draw, if you draw like your rescue carriers too early, your hand clogs up. It just gets weird. The weird deck to play. Yeah, certainly not one that I would. I would like, it's one that I would USC take to league for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's a deck that I would take to maybe like a local tournament or to league. Um, but 
I, yeah, it's just, it would be hard for me to take to a big tournament because I'd just be so frustrated with some of the, uh, some of the hands that I might get over the course of the day. Like it's really a tilting deck, I think too. It is. I, right? I do think um, it's actually a very good deck though. Like I think it is yeah. like solidly yeah, no, 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 for the sure. best deck. For sure. Yeah. And I'm in a, in complete agreement with you there. It's, it's a really solid choice. You know, certainly if you're listening to the cast and you're like hearing us say, uh, you know, uh, that we don't really like it, that, that shouldn't necessarily deter you because I know a lot of players have had really good results with Malamar. I mean, yeah. just look at Liverpool results. Right. Um, but for us, you know, maybe not, maybe not our cup of tea as it were, uh, <laughs> let's go on to four and five. What, what do you have for four and five Riley? Yeah. So I think after that, it really starts to become like honorable mention territory and, once we get to there, I think we're looking at cards like Jolteon and Gengar, and honestly, Yoshifu as well is in that mix of like the next tier of decks. And those are all decks that are good, and they have a place in the metagame, and they can get wins against all of the decks that we've previously stated, but have like some sort of flaw or weakness that prevents mm-hmm. them from breaking into that upper echelon. So going through each of those in brief, and then JW, if you have thoughts, feel free to expand. Like, Jolteon is actually okay versus Arceus if they're not playing fighting stuff. <laughs> um, but actually, it's just not a great Mii matchup, no matter how many path you play. The 300 HP on the Jolteon is just really bad breakpoint. And because you're so reliant on the tool, you can't fix that breakpoint either. You can't right. play, like, a big charm on your Jolteon. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't be great. <laughs> so, Jolteon... What it has going for it is this really low-maintenance deck. You know, you get your Jolteon with your energy on it, and you're kind of cruising at that point. The, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next kind of deck in that mix is the Gengar. Gengar obviously has a solid matchup against Mew. You know, when we talk about decks that can actually handle Mew, Gengar is one of the ones that can keep up the easiest. Uh, you play a couple pass down, you get a Gengar VMAX in play, and it's really hard to deal with that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be able to KO one, but Getting the second one is exceptionally challenging. The uh, So Gengar is good. Gengar suffers, and Gengar can actually beat Arceus, but it suffers from the problem of being the Gengar deck, <laughs> you see, and being kind of inconsistent. So when Gengar gets moving, it honestly feels like it beats everything that isn't a one-prize deck, but uh, it fails to get moving like a solid 30% of the time. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Certainly. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those glass cannons. We talk about that a lot on the cast too. Are there any decks that, you know, we've kind of talked about these last three as being honorable mentions, but there are any dark horses that you think, you know, you maybe haven't put a lot of time into, but certainly could make a deep run or are kind of like on the outside, like just waiting for somebody to make the right list. Like I'll give a couple of mine. Like I think Stahl um, has an opportunity to do well in Europe. I mean, certainly you know, uh, the larger the tournament, you know, the, the more possibility for, um, you know, just random kind of archetypes to rise up and like your, your level, your quality of player on the whole in these larger tournaments is going to be lower, certainly in these, you know, kind of first few rounds. So if you can get into day two with a stall archetype, like there might be some possibility to go far there. And then another one I think is, uh, is, you know, players have been trying it out. It hasn't really ramped up in terms of, um, in terms of popularity, but that might be a whimsicott V star. I was going to say certainly. Yeah. Whimsicott just having, having that attack, um, you know, it's it's a solid option in terms of V Star. Um, 
B-star attacks. Uh, uh, I actually think know, HP. I was like you know, not into like, like just by virtue of his the trick wind. Yeah, but I actually think his V-star power is pretty good. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't hate Whimsicott, to be honest. It's just uh, I don't think we've it's been truly optimized yet. You know, we saw we saw it make a run in, in Sao Paulo, but uh, it doesn't feel like it's all the way there quite yet. It's definitely something mm-hmm. I want to experiment with. Uh, it's something I intend to experiment with a little bit more prior to um, prior to Europe actually kicking off. Yeah, nice. I actually am I'm a little colder on on a, the non Whimsicott rogue ideas, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think Whimsicott is a good like starting point. Uh, we we ended up like deep in the zone like two days ago. We we're talking about like Shadow Rider, and then it was like, oh, why are we ramping up to one fifty <laughs> on turn three? <laughs> <laughs> like that probably isn't good. Um, I don't think decks like Ice Rider are very good either. Sure. Uh, honestly, I think the Lucario card is a card that has some potential, not on its own, but like maybe there's an Arceus variant that like utilizes Lucario well. Sure. Um, that's kind of like the extent. I really do want to break the Jolteon card, um, the the Jolteon with the memory capsule, but I have yet to figure out a way to cram it into a deck and have it work. Yeah, that'd be, be a tough. Deck that doesn't play Inteleon, right? Um, right. Unless you're doing something crazy like playing Shopping Center. <laughs> but so it needs to be a deck that is not using Inteleon. So it has to be a relatively straightforward strategy. And it also needs to be a deck that's consistent enough that you can both not play Inteleon and have this random like 1 1 with tools <laughs> type yes. thing in your deck. And yep. it's. Pretty hard to like check all those boxes, <laughs> to be honest. Yep. But man, Absolutely. it'd be so such a flex to lay down your gold memory capsule on stream. That's what I'm saying, man. The gold I, chain, man. Yeah, or like you know the other the other gold card that I bought, thinking that oh yeah this could be really cool is like Heroes Medal. You know, it's just like you buy these cards and you're like oh yeah it's gonna be so cool when I'm gonna be able to show it off like in the finals like everyone's <laughs> gonna be watching. I got my gold swag of this really niche card. Never. It yeah. usually doesn't end up like that. I, I do want Stall to be good. I mean, Stall has given me like some pretty good results in, historically, but um, I I haven't quite been able to get what I want out of the Stall decks. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just because I haven't investigated all the weird Zora cards that we can use. But um, it feels a little bit underwhelming against Arceus in, in particular. Yeah, yeah. So I I would love Stall to be good. I think there's definitely a framework now for stall and I have played a decent amount of the Sander deck, but hasn't gotten all the way there for Arceus for me. Yeah. Especially if they play quick shooting. <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems very hard. If they play quick shooting, you have to have Altaria, Suavlu, Pot Helmet, Gorbis, Manaphy in play. <laughs> <laughs> and Chichino as well. <laughs> so, seems like a very specific board you need a very specific board and if any of it gets gusted you're in a really bad <laughs> spot <laughs> that's funny well good i think that was a good overview of what uh you know what kind of we're high on what uh you know we like what maybe we don't like and uh yeah it'll be just again interesting to see 
what comes up. It, not only you know this weekend as more tournaments come in, but next weekend in Europe. Absolutely. I am so, so excited. Not only as just a player and not only as someone who's just traveling to Europe to have some fun, but it's just so exciting to see these big tournaments come back and the energy around Pokemon cards feels like it's definitely been livened up, I would say, in the post-return <laughs> to real-life play. You know, you see people getting so excited about playing and metagaming and their decks and a cat's knocking down a cup in my kitchen. Uh, and you, it's energy that I haven't really felt from the community in the online era. Not to say that people weren't excited about online events at all, yeah. but it's just like there's a new livelihood to the game. And it's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very good. So we'll be cheering you on here from the States, Riley. Maybe I'll make it over to an international championship at Next some year, point. Maybe. Well, I mean, obviously there's London, right? So I'm trying to I'm trying to live it up in That's London. That's not an international no, no. championship, right? I know, but <laughs> no, we're going overseas. In any case, we're gonna be cheering you on here, Riley. Best of luck. I know it's still, you know, a week and a half away, but best of luck. And uh, can't wait to help you kind of choose those those final few cards. Thank you so much, man. And I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to the experience. And now I'm looking forward to to sharing out that experience with everyone here as part of the tag team community. Awesome. Well, that's our episode for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate the listenership that we get here week after week on Tag Team. Thank you so much for making the community what it is thank you so much for making the podcast what it is we wouldn't be able to do uh, the things that we can do the the sponsorships that we have uh, without you guys so thank you so much for listening uh, if you'd like to leave a rate and review on your favorite podcasting platform that would be greatly encouraged uh, that helps other people know what they can expect when they get into the podcast uh, that obviously raises our ranking in the in the seo of each different <laughs> yeah. uh, podcast application which is really helpful for new players to find our cast so if you wouldn't mind leaving a review uh, that greatly greatly helps us riley we have some social medias that people can get involved in as well so why don't you tell them about that absolutely if you're fans of the cast the good news is that jw and i both have a social media presence primarily on twitter and so you can find me at smiles with riles jw at real john walter and the cast at Tag Team Pokemon. Be sure to follow all those accounts for epic tweets, tournament updates, and general updates for what's going on in the cast in our lives. Great stuff. Yeah, and baby photos too. And adorable little baby photos. <laughs> I have every right to say it, even more than JW, because if JW says it, you know it's just like, whatever, it's his baby, so... <laughs> I, I think she's objectively like pretty she's cute, cute. she's cute yeah, yeah she's yeah, cute for sure for sure and if you're a fan of the cast and you want to see and be a part of the experience the podcast records live every single week on twitch.tv you can find it at twitch.tv slash munder most weeks uh, and jw also has a twitch channel where he'll not only host the cast but he does great content throughout the week and you can find him at Flex Daddy Righteous on both Twitch and YouTube. Awesome. So thank you guys once again for listening today. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much. Peace. See you.